Everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Passing Out with Jimmy Smith. You know, I really need to get on top of posting these things. I'll record one and then I'll wait a month before I finally get around to posting it. And it's like one of the easiest things in the world to do. I don't know why I slack off so much, but it's probably because this past month I've been doing lots of drinking and partying and job hunting. Because those things go together very well. Yep. (laughs) My guest today is one of the most lovable guys in the comedy scene here in Wilmington. I think everybody would agree. He just has this likability that you instantly just love him when he gets on stage. He's very captivating. He's just one of those natural kind of guys. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with the sexy and talented Drew Harrison. Child's play at this point. You should have your own podcast by now because you've been on everything. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to name it my podcast, and it's just going to be me, like (laughs) on other people's podcasts. That way, I don't have to buy the equipment or put in the time. My podcast, and then like this week, I'm going to be on this, and (laughs) this week, I'm going to be on this. That's what it'll be called. Be like guest spots with Drew Harrison. Mm -hmm. Just me on other. People. You should really look into that because everybody's doing their own thing now. Why not? I mean, you have me, you have the Sydney guy. You have well, me Blair. and Miller thought about it for a little bit. We were going to do a uh, sweat lodge, <laughs> the sweat lodge with uh, Matt Miller and Drew Harrison. We were just going to sit in his sweaty ass uh, apartment, a garage. Oh, it's a garage. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> and just like have the equipment and like take our shirts off and just like get real nitty gritty with it. Man, you guys would get irritable. That'd be funny <laughs> after about. 30 minutes sweating, then you start fighting. Or start hallucinating one of the two. Ooh, that'd you be fun. You know what you're supposed to do in the sweat lodge? Just, like, have oh, epiphanies and things oh, like Yeah, all your toxins will start coming out of your body. Yeah. Oh, it'll be just us going over, like, conspiracy theories and things like that. I would totally listen to that. I tried singing a song for Matt Tuesday. When you, Is he, that where the picture came from? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, He's like, sorry, I was, I was shaking with arousal or something. Like yeah, that. well... <laughs> Me and him, we share a liking of some of the same emo bands. And since he was there, I was like, let me sing something for you, Matt. And I tried to rearrange some lyrics to cater towards him. And I, I'm not good at making up stuff on the spot. So I just gave up after like two bars. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. And he didn't even recognize what I was saying anyway. He recognized the song, but not what I was trying to direct it towards him. That's how me so, and Lou and Steve bonded on one road trip. We started listening to old emo music that we listened to. Uh oh. Because we were all Taking Back Sunday. Taking Back Sunday, Thrice, New oh. Glory, um, Catch 22. Dude, know, nobody MXPX. knows. MXPX. Oh. MXPX was my first concert when Me I was too. 12 years Tremont old. Music Hall. I was 13 in oh. Charlotte. Mine was at like uh, 
a high school. Actually, at Fayetteville Christian Academy is where oh, it was at. God. And there was probably like 20 kids there. And I remember that was my first time crowd surfing. I got on the stage, hopped in the crowd. The whole crowd caught me because that's all the crowd was. And they can't push you through the crowd, so they just carry you to the back. <laughs> so it's the same 20 kids that caught you, just carry you and make you feel like you're crowd surfing. And then, and then they all set you down and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, MXPX and Catch-22 was my first concert. Have you listened to Streetlight Manifesto? I've heard of them. Yeah, that's kind of like some of the same too. members from Catch-22. Okay. They're, okay, nice. they're pretty fucking good. Nice. Um, Are they still around? Because that's what sucks is like you catch reunion tours now, mm -hmm. you know? Well, like that's how old we are. We're at that age, man. Yeah. You're 28? I'm turning 30 this month. Turning 30? Yeah. Now you got that baby face. I know, Looking. man. I got carded at the ABC store the other day. Ooh. Kind of excited Felt about good? It. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to need to see your ID. I'm like, I'm going to need to say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still get that a little bit, too. Being so scrawny, people just they, think I haven't hit puberty. Well, with us, like, with beards and the long hair, they think we're compensating, like, trying to look older than we mm -hmm. actually are. So they're like, they're trying to pull a fast one on us. True. I think, I think that's what the clerks think. I don't know. I could be thinking way too far into it. We like to be flattered, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. It pays off when I'm really 60 and I look like I'm 40. Hopefully. That's what I'm hoping for. My, it works. My mom, she's 50. She does not look 50. My parents are pretty young, too. Yeah. My mom's 50. My grandparents are old. Uh, Where are you from? I'm from a uh, little, little town, Southern Pines. Okay. I'm familiar with Southern Pines. Um. Pinehurst is probably the more the bigger. I've been to say I've, bigger city. Around. I've been to both of them. I've been been through them. I don't think I've ever stopped and actually yeah, hung they out. Probably shouldn't at all because mm -hmm. Pinehurst, you know, they have all the golf. Mm -hmm. you know, so everyone knows Pinehurst from the U.S. Open. Like U.S. Open put us on the map. Like when Payne Stewart won in '99. Okay. Like everyone was talking about Pinehurst. Like we were. The, Did you we do any golfing? <laughs> I tried. Did you, yeah, every, uh, this did is you have to just because you were from there, take advantage of the greens? No, I was just one of those kids that I always wanted to be playing a sport. You know, like I always, and my mom wouldn't let me play football, mm. which I guess now with all the concussion things turned out to be good call on my dude's part, you know? My mom wouldn't let me play either. I, I only played basketball and baseball. That's I all. played everything, you know, like mainly played baseball, mm -hmm. but a lot of times, you know, like, Football season, you could either play football at my middle school. Mm -hmm. You could only play football or golf. And so, so I was like, well, I can't play football. Might as well try golf. And everyone at my middle school was so shitty at golf that I actually <laughs> made the team. Like That's I remember, awesome. <laughs> this is probably the first time I've ever said this to anybody. Uh, on qualifying mm -hmm. to make the team, I cheated like a motherfucker. Good for you. Yeah, like my There's ball would be in the woods and I'd just pick it up and like throw it like no one would be around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, I cheated like crazy, man. I'm starting to see that every everybody cheats and it seems to be okay. It's like mm -hmm. we kind of accept it. I, I, I think the younger you learn that, the better off you are. Yeah, I, I, I've tried to, I've been so wholesome and honest my whole life and I wonder why, and I wonder why I feel so defeated <laughs> and beat up by the world. Right. And then every time I, I pull a fast one on somebody, um, I'm like, oh, I feel really guilty, and I'm like, oh, it worked, and then and there's n hardly ever any repercussions, right? Uh, unless it's something legal, then I usually, you know, then then yeah. <laughs> then you don't care. Yeah, then you're like, karma will get me fast. Like, when, really? Yeah, oh, oh, it's so like it's like the next list, huh? it's it's like next day for me. I don't know if oh, wow. I don't know if I put that my conscience puts it out there so it comes back to me that fast. See, you just gotta know. stop caring. Like after uh, you, after karma knows you don't care, it's like hey, <laughs> we're gonna stop fucking with this guy. He knows what he did. He doesn't care. 
We can't get bad at him for that. Did you live in Southern Pines your whole life, or Pinehurst? Or? I did, man. I was born in Rockingham, which is like 30 minutes mm-hmm. from The Rock. Yeah, yeah. Dra- drag racing extraordinaire, NASCAR, all that. See, I went from... <laughs> it was a big culture shock for me, because, you know, like, I went from Rockingham, where everyone's like, NASCAR, woo! To golf. To golf. That was very... Such big... Two ends of the spectrum there right, to go white from. White trash to privileged white people. It was very weird. Who do you like better? Oh, I'm, I'm down with my white trash people yeah. all day. Like, those... Because I, I worked at the country club. Like, that was... Ah, uh, so you got to see the snobby boy. side. Yeah, I was oh. a pool boy. And there... You'd make a sexy pool boy. Dude, that myth this. is... There is nothing to that myth. Like, I went to all these rich ladies' houses, and they... They didn't want the pool boy for shit. Like, I was 18. I was in shape. I was tan, mm-hmm. long blonde hair. You were trying to flip it for them? But, yeah, uh, dude. They wanted nothing. They were having sex with their husband's bank accounts. They weren't having... Nah. <laughs> did you... That did, wait, kept them did you play your cards money. right? Did you oil up or anything beforehand? I tried to oil them up. They were not having it. They were like, oh. You're like, hey, let me rub that cellulite out for right? you. Right. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'd, get, I'd take my shirt off and get in the pool and scrub the tile. Mm-hmm. I had like the tattoo starter kit at that point. They were oh, like, no, I'm not having it, man. They didn't like it at all. Should have had a starter tattoo. <laughs> I guess I should sit out a butterfly, like the tramp stamp. Oh man, how many tattoos do you have? I'll see a couple. Uh, well, I got the sleeve that I'm still trying to finish. Work in um, progress. Got the Suicide King up here, and then this ties into like my chest piece. So you're doing it right. At least you're putting a theme to it and you're tying yeah, everything together. Yeah, trying to do like the card theme on this mm-hmm. one. I found this quote, the with every turn of the card, the gambler feels alive. I just really like that quote. So that became the whole like I'm, premise of that sleeve. I'm too scared to get tattoos. Not because I'm scared of a needle or anything, just because all the stuff I would want would always be like kind of music related. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want them to, like my favorite bands or something to... 20 years down the road, find out there were molesting kids in their basement, and here I am with my whole arm dedicated to them or something, you know? I mean, you could do, like, a generic music theme, though, you know? There's so many things. I would spend my money on music equipment, like, oh, I need a new guitar pedal. I need some new headphones. I need to take... Like, that guitar right there, I just, like, kind of sanded it down and repainted it, and... That's why it looks fucked up, so I tried to beat it up to make it look a little more vintage, you know? Okay, okay. And then put the pickups in and rewired, so, and it actually worked when I got done with it. So, hey. I was, yeah. There so now, go. and now it's kind of ignited a new passion. Now I'm like, I want to learn more about that. So I'm going to apply to the school in Arizona to actually build guitars. So, that would be fantastic. I mean, imagine that as a job. That would be great. There's no money in it, but I don't fucking care about money. That's never going to make me happy. As long as I'm happy day in and day out and, yeah. I'm, and I'm doing something. Yeah. Like, you're a vet tech right now, right? Right. You, I am. There's no money in that. Well, either. I was a, I was a pharmacy tech, and there's no money in that. Um, anything but, with the tech at the end, yeah. you're you're, you're in the middle. Yeah. It's, uh, I try to tell people it's like, kind of like being a paralegal. You do all the work, and they make all the money. Oh yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's it's like because my official job title is veterinarian assistant. So the assistant is even in the name. Like you are there to assist them. Do you enjoy it, or are you kind of burnt out on it now? How long have you been doing it? Three years in September, so I'm mm-hmm. getting there. I've been doing it for, and I've been in the healthcare field since I was like 19. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just over the health. I got, I'm over doctors, to be honest with you. Okay. I'm over dealing like, granted, veterinarians are 500 times easier to work with than human doctors. I you know, they're more so. humble, they're more down to earth. But I'm just over. I'm tired of having a boss. You know, like. 
once you and uh, doing your comedy now, you kind of see the potential to not have a boss. Right. I mean, I and guess that, the I promoters think, are your boss a little bit, but at yeah, the same time, it's a boss you can tell to go fuck off. At yeah, and you don't have to go back. Right. After, yeah. Right. There's enough it's, comedy clubs that if you piss this guy off. Yeah, and once you see that potential, and like right now. You're a very likable person. That's one of the things you, you have working that. for you. Well, you yeah. yeah, yeah, but you, you're very approachable, yeah. which a lot of comedians are. Yeah, uh, no, I pride myself on that. For yeah, sure. you're very approachable. People can just walk up to you and talk to you about everything, and all the other comedians feel the same way about you. You can just yeah. tell you're like you just you just have this uh, get all hippie on you, kind of like an aura glow where you're very inviting and people Thank want you, to walk up I to you. I, and, I, I don't want to be because I know my pet peeve is assholes you know like i mean don't don't get me wrong i think every comedian is an asshole to a certain extent mm-hmm. like I, i'm definitely can be an asshole for sure mm-hmm. but at the same time i it but it hurts me you know when you have that dream comedian you want to work with and you work with them and then you're like he didn't really care to talk to me you know like i i want to be that guy that if i do make it and i do get to go tour around Mm-hmm. I get to hang out with the comedians from the other scenes, you know. Like, yeah. I think it's cool. Like Big J Oakers. I was about to throw him out there. He, he wanted was, to do was hang out with us. After he asked me my name. That was the first time anybody asked me my name, yeah, and I was he just gave like, me, he, he gave me his phone number. He's like, if you're in New York, hit me up. God damn, I dude. Wanna, I just want to be one of those genuine people, you know. Like, mm-hmm. and I felt like he meant that. You know, he wasn't just being like, oh, yeah, whatever, kid, hit me up. Yeah, he looked me in the eye and asked me my name, and I was yeah. just like, I'm not any, I'm just I'm just one of the guys that stalks everybody here and kiss everybody's one, ass. I think was, that's one of the hor- the worst things about the world today is there's not genuine people. And it I really is. I pride myself on being a genuine person. I think just the way we kind of attach to our computers and social media, I love all that stuff because it, it keeps us connected in a different way, mm-hmm. but we're starting to miss some of that. So. Nah, just I mean, my favorite thing in the world, like nothing beats a good Saturday night down at Dead Crow. Mm-hmm. Everyone's Every- out back drinking, out. smoking and cigs, having a good time. Everybody like, opens up. Right. You know, like, loosen you, up. like the, the best comedians are the ones that will actually talk the business with you. Mm-hmm. Like Kenny Zimling House was down there. Okay, I didn't catch this. Uh, oh, he comes down on Valentine's Day every year. Okay, this thing is coming down to Dead Crow. On Valentine's. <laughs> okay, he does Valentine's every year. All right, and uh, even when we moved to Real Cafe that one year, he was there for Valentine's Day. <coughs> I'm probably he, trying to date somebody on Valentine's Day, and then I end up alone. You gotta come down to yeah, Dead Crow, man. Yeah. You'll never be alone. Get him. <laughs> and he's just—he just—he was one of those nice guys, man. Talked to me for like thirty minutes. In between the shows, just about the business aspect of it. And he every, was talking to me. He's like, "Be be a nice guy, yeah, until you don't need to be one." <laughs> he's like, "When money's involved, that nice guy needs to go out the door." He's okay. like, "Your money is your money." He's like, "When you so he's telling you when when it's okay to be a prick, yeah, and, he, and he's yeah. letting you know you have to do that sometimes yeah. too." And, that's, he, and he's being so fucking honest. That's great. He's, he said he's a self proclaimed nice guy too mm-hmm. until the money. And a lot of times that'll bite you in the ass because people will walk over. And he's probably he probably experienced that too. So yeah, he probably like, was a nice guy. I got screwed over yeah. a couple times, but he's one of those nice guys that can still keep the other nice guy aspects about his life mm-hmm. that he can turn into a dick when it needs to be. Yeah, that's and I like that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm learning that as I get older a little bit. But Sometimes you gotta see. be a douche. Yeah. So who were your guys that like your comedians that got you hooked into stand up comedy? Would 
or, it's, it's definitely evolved. Okay. So well, so start from the beginning. I'm okay. everybody because I know when I was younger. I'm a little. I'm a little uh, <laughs> I'll tell you my first experience. To tell you who my first you were. No, don't don't be embarrassed. Though. I was just talking to a guy. I did my first music podcast last time. Uh, I haven't posted that one yet, but we were. T- he was telling me he was into Fallout Boy and Blink One Eighty Two, and I was, and he's like, I'm embarrassed to say that. And I was like, There's n- you have to have something that's a stepping stone that gets you yeah, to the good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Don't I mean you can be it'd be like is. Cause I, I mean, yeah. I, it definitely was the blue collar guys for sure. Okay. You know? How old were you? Well, I mean, they weren't like the first comedy I got, but they were mm-hmm. the one that got me into thinking about doing, thinking it? about like I could, I want to do this. Okay. You know? Like, like Ron White, like he, he I love was Ron everybody's stuff favorite. Yeah. Away from blue collar, like mm-hmm. his special where he gets dirtier. Like, I love it. It's hilarious. Everybody, you can tell he's the. He's the filet mignon out of that group. Yeah, he's like he the is, cult hero. Like yeah, every, yeah. Of course, everyone else is probably more successful. Than exactly. Him. But then even, the even Ron White, he, even he has writers and he admits it and he's not ashamed of it or anything. Ron White's one of those guys that he wouldn't be ashamed of anything. <laughs> yeah. He could lose <laughs> his dick tomorrow and be like, hey guys, lost it, sorry, whatever. I'll still care. fuck you better than your right? last man did. Right? Yeah. He's just, he seems like, he comes across like as one of those people. But like, I, I definitely like... Um, one of the first albums I listened to from start to finish was uh, John Panette, Still Hungry. Mm. I love that. I love his energy. I was bummed awesome. to find out. He that just he passed, passed like two years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. And he, I mean, he went out like unfortunately most guys do, alone in a hotel room. You know, that's the the dark side of everything. You're like you're alone traveling a lot. You uh, have health issues. You're probably gonna die by yourself. I I tried like when I was. Doing, st- I did stand up for about six months straight. I've talked about this a million times. This is always like, but nobody knows this when, like, because yeah. this is why I'm doing this. I have yeah. these conversations with you guys, but I realized I was getting dark and I was hanging out by myself too much. That's where the good comedy is yeah, at. Yeah, man. That's like, where it's you've at. Heard Zach Burke say it before. I'm too happy to write. Yeah, he and him getting a girlfriend. You know, probably worst Ruined thing. his career. Worst thing for him. <laughs> Not really. Zach, I man. Yeah, he's got to turn into Zach too and turn up. But he yeah. does. He watching him evolve has been like one of the funnest things for me. Because yeah. about 2010, I was going down there to Nut Street, okay. and for six months straight, I got up. Okay. And. That's I just, when Nut Street was fairly new, right? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. When, what year did Nut Street start? I have no idea. I was actually just at the soapbox one day, and then uh, saw a sign that said "Stand Up Comedy," and I stumbled down. There. I was like, "Holy shit!" And then after a couple of weeks, I was like, "I'm doing this." So yeah. I was, you know, I was at work um, counting How were pills. The audiences back then? Small, and then watching that, watching the place grow was yeah. great. But I felt magic in there from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. It oh, was yeah. just, and Timmy was so inviting, and we so, came down. Um, for the third anniversary show, like okay. I just started doing comedy like six months prior to that. Where did you start doing comedy at? Greenville. Actually. Okay. That was the only Did place. you go to school there? No, no. I just, um, I did, there was no place to do comedy back home. Mm-hmm. Like I, like Facebook was just getting to be popular. Like it, I remember when Facebook started just for college students, like mm-hmm. this was when it opened up to like everybody. So I like hit up there. I was like, who, where can I do comedy around here? And they're like, oh, we got an open mic at Mellow Mushroom. Okay. And I went and checked it out. No comic. It was all musical acts. So I didn't Gosh. even go up. I was like, nah, I'm not going to be that random guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I was just bummed out. And my roommate at the time was a DJ. He mm-hmm. still is a DJ. So he knew a bunch of like bar owners and 
club owner. Like, there's not he had a lot of connections clubs. for yeah, you. Yeah, he knew a lot of people. And there was this one brewery we all, always hung out with, Railhouse Brewery in Aberdeen. Not familiar. Okay. Um, they're just now spreading out. Like, you can buy their beer in grocery stores and stuff now. Okay. Like, it's it's Good great for them. craft beer. And uh, we just hung out there because they had just a great environment. It was small. You knew everybody. And I was just talking about it, and the bar, the owner heard me talk about it, and he's like, do it here, man. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, just do a show. I'm like, I don't know anybody to be on the show. He's <laughs> like, just do you. And I had been writing so much at that time because like, that's all I could do. Like I couldn't go perform, so I was just writing and stockpiling material. So I did a show, and I promoted it myself. Holy shit. Holy. I had like 65, 70 people show up to this. Oh. The best night that brewery had done to that point. So, I mean, it was all my friends and stuff. Like, but I that knew. doesn't matter. Just th- that being the catalyst <laughs> and that being your starting point. Dude, I did 22 minutes Yeah, my first time out. That's great. Because I had that much material stored up because that's all I could do was write. Now, granted, I probably only used like four minutes of that now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I whittled it down. Like it was a lot of filler, a lot of but there was not a, developed. Yeah, jokes. just just because you're just starting doesn't mean you don't have some good ideas that you can right. rework and oh, yeah. over time. But like, twenty two minutes. 20, it's on. God. It's on YouTube. Oh, it's blurry. It's in black and white. It's blurry. Is it painful for you to watch now? Yes. Oh, I just know. because I didn't have a stage presence. I didn't mm. have my cadence down. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't That's, me on stage yet. You know, it was just me, like basically oh. reading my material. You're up in your head. All the, once you get up there, I know you're like, oh, holy. Because yeah. uh. you, you just look out and you're just like, I'm all supposed these to make people are here, and I have to make them laugh. Oh no! I know yeah. half of them are here to see if I fail. Because mm-hmm. there's like people you hadn't seen in a while, and they're like, yeah, we're here, and you're like, I know why you're here. Mm-hmm. You're here to see me fall flat on my face. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we did it, man, and um, it was like. I did it on purpose three days before Christmas because all my friends were in town visiting their families for Christmas. Okay. So it was just like all my high school friends, all my college friends, they came down and watched it. And then, but after that, where do you go from there? Like I made this show. Mm -hmm. I've done all of my material. Mm -hmm. I can't put on another show like that a week later. You know, like this is just me. So I didn't perform again um, from December to May. And May, I signed up for Port City's Top Comic, 2012. Because I just went on the internet. I was like, where can I do comedy? Damn. And the two places I found was Charlie Goodnight's Open Mike uh-huh. in Raleigh and Port City's Top Comic. So I signed up for Port City's Top Comic and went and auditioned for Goodnight's. Okay. And got banned from Goodnight's. Holy shit. I would, you got banned? Okay. This is You're, the old management. This but is the what old was your material to get you banned? Because so, you're so... <laughs> Well, it wasn't material related. It wasn't. Well, it kind of was. So I went up there and I met my friend, Matt, that um, (laughs) lives in Raleigh. Okay. So he got off work early to go with me. And the show's at nine Mm -hmm. back then. And you have to audition between six and seven. So I went and auditioned. And um, I was new, man. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. This is my second time ever telling jokes out loud. And you audition in front of one person in an empty room. With a hot mic on the stage. What kind of fucking environment? So I'm freaking is that? out. Yeah. Freaking out. I don't know how to handle this situation at this point. Mm-hmm. So I get on stage, and right before I walk, I'm walking up the stairs at Good Nights, and Kirby, I don't even know his last name. He's the guy that you auditioned for. Okay. Big, intimidating looking dude. 
<clears throat> scowl on his face. Like, I don't, like, do you find anything funny? Mm-hmm. You know, like, do you think anything that comes out of your mouth? He puts on that demeanor. This guy's going to be like, On purpose, I'm sure. Yeah. You know? And as I'm walking up the stage, I, I realize I've got nothing planned. Mm-hmm. And he yells out, no poop jokes. So I had just written a poop joke. And you did it right so then. So, of course, I blank out and I got nothing. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I remember the poop joke I wrote earlier. <laughs> Say something, you know, because mm-hmm. it's getting awkward at this point. Because mm-hmm. I'm just walking. I'm just, I got the mic up here and I'm just, just like. breathing. What do I mm-hmm. do? So I tell the poop joke. I get two lines out. He's like, get off my stage. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I walk down and my buddy, Matt. It's like, dude, you said he had a minute. Like, my buddy gets into it with him. Mm-hmm. He's like, you said he had a minute. You let him tell 10 seconds of jokes. So then Kirby's like, you don't know shit. Like, mm-hmm. who are you coming into my establishment telling me this? They get into it. He escorts us out. Brings me back in. He's like, I don't have room for you tonight, but I can sign you up in, in like four weeks. So I'm like, well, I drove an hour to be here, but mm-hmm. I'll take what I can get. I'm not going to argue with you. Of course. <laughs> At that point, yeah. Because I thought he hated me. Yeah. Apparently, you just have to go through the audition part, and they don't care what comes out of your mouth. They're going to sign you up anyway. Okay. So he signed me up. So the scout is just, a, He's just an intimidation. Yeah, yeah, just the. It's all a game. Yeah. So then I, I go back out front, and apparently one of the girls saw us get escorted out. One of the girls that worked at the front desk mm-hmm. saw us get escorted out. So she calls the manager manager. Mm-hmm. And by the time that I sign up, they have my. They now have my name, my email address, and my phone number. And as I'm walking out, my buddy has gotten into it with the manager now <laughs> because he doesn't know that it, everything's good and I got mm-hmm. signed up. Like, he doesn't know, hey, yeah. it's over. We won. He still so, thinks that this guy's telling me I suck. You're, and you're and I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then so I'm sitting there like, Matt, I signed up. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up, you know, mm-hmm. back up. And he's still, he's got that pride about him. He's still arguing with the manager. Why is your friend? Yeah. And I'm pushing him away. I mean, I love him to death for this. And mm-hmm. it never, it didn't do anything to my career at mm-hmm. all. You know, like. At that point, I thought it was the. I was like, "That's it. I'm not going to be a comedian. Cool." Yeah. So I'm like pushing him to the car, and he was like, "You know what? I got your name. I got your number. Never come back here ever again." So I was like, "I got banned from Good Nights." Like at that point, I was like, "Can I spin this to I'm like the bad boy of comedy in North Carolina?" Like, <laughs> but then I later on found out that a lot of people got banned from that place. Like that was their go-to move. Okay. Like if you made them upset at all, you're banned. You're banned. Getting banned, I don't think is a bad. Usually, whenever I hear about somebody getting banned, they're doing something right. They're pushing some buttons. Well, um, he told me no poop jokes. <laughs> I told him no poop jokes. Yeah, I, that's probably best thing you could have done at that but, point. But I mean, he said I was good. That's what I made. I was like, Matt, shut up. <laughs> have so you ever, that was miserable. You've performed a good night by now, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did their contest this past year. How many competitions have you done? I've done. Well, I do Port City every year. So, so that like that likability that you have pro- it it's doesn't suits- translate the uh, competitions though, man. Do you, well do you, I imagine you advance at least get to like a semi-final dude I haven't made the finals since 2012 but you get do you get like you're out first round every time yeah what yeah I would never I do- came down and so I got banned from good nights mm-hmm. and then I still had Port City mm-hmm. so we came down here to Wilmington for Port City in 2012 mm-hmm. all the comedians were just awesome you know, like Lou talked to me right from the beginning. Very inviting, dude. Van yeah. Vliet talked to me, you know. And they give you pointers, and they're like such valid pointers yeah. that they give you, and you can tell they care. Yeah, That's but it the turns out like Lou was new 
at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, Bishop was like he had been doing it for a little bit. You know, like yeah. all these guys, like we we're essentially. Like, I was a lot less, like, I, this was my second time on stage. Mm-hmm. But they had just started doing it, you know, like, six months to a year ago. And they were still cool, cool as shit. That's where I met Matt White for the mm-hmm. first time. And uh, he ended up yeah, winning, winning that, that year. One. I remember and, that. And uh, that's what opened the door for Greenville. Because he was like, mm-hmm. oh, you, because I actually met him back in college when okay. I went to ECU. And we just didn't. Like neither one of us were doing comedy back then, mm-hmm. so we were just like, "Oh, that's just, that's that's that guy." Just recognize the face, and mm-hmm. now that you guys some something in common. Yeah, and uh, so then I started performing at a Tipsy Teapot in Greenville. Mm-hmm. That's where I really like cut my teeth and got to do longer sets and started actually putting jokes together and finding finding out, finding your voice, finding my voice, and getting your rhythm down. Finally, mm-hmm. just being myself on stage, mm-hmm. you know, like not realizing you have to. Because like when I first started, I would pace. I like or, I like people to pace on stage. Mm-hmm. I guess weird at Dead Crow. I feel like you have to pace because everyone's on this side and everyone's on this side. Yeah, and that the way the stage is built up, you do kind of have to you have have to work it, have to work around. Every time bit. I try to film something at Dead Crow, I realize I'm just doing this like <laughs> left, right, left. I'm like I can't use that. No, everyone's <laughs> gonna think I have like restless leg syndrome. <laughs> I've only been on stage twice at Dead Crow, and of course I bomb every time, which is fine. That's my whole that's my whole intent. Um, I have no all everything's lowbrow stuff. I don't get up there and do anything. I have no. Well, what happened with the dark material that you said you're? Oh, I just didn't like. I was just getting kind of depressed, okay. and I realized here when you realize that you don't have the same drive or motivation that everybody else has for it. Okay. That's when I realized, but I. I needed to just stop, but I had the love for comedy. It made me appreciate it. Like okay. I always loved stand-up comedy. My the first thing I remember loving was watching Jeffrey Ross on like Lounge Lizards when I was like twelve years old. He got up and just read these stupid poems. Like this is a poem my dad wrote for my mom. And then I went through a phase of like Dane Cook and Carlos Mencia, all those really high energy people. Gotcha. And then once I discovered Dave Attell and Dave Chappelle, it, I. I, I just went really deep and then found Nut Street and and then I tried it and then when you actually try something you get a deeper understanding oh, yeah. for it yeah. and a different appreciation for it and this is why I'm kind of doing the podcast because I try to tell my friends all the time that love comedy you don't get it until you actually try to do it and you, re- you and you really try it a couple of times doing open mic a couple of times yeah but if you really give it your shot uh, give it a good you know, a good college try oh, and yeah. you're spending a whole week to write five minutes mm-hmm. and you do that for and you get up all the you, time, you realize the effort that goes into it. So that's where I, uh, I'm sure I'm at a point where I don't get it like you guys do because I never had the dreams or aspirations to go on tour. But I do love the art form and I do respect it. And I love the fact that it's just one person's point of view yeah. and they can make it whatever they want. Yeah. And you can get and, as crazy with it as yeah, you want. Yeah, and it's like, it's my favorite form of art. Um, that I don't participate in, <laughs> that I just love to sit there and watch and be a little spectator. You know? you. Every, okay. And every now and again, I do get a wild hair on my butt, and I'll you know get up like that's well, why I hate the that's why I, that's why I hate the growlers closed down because I like getting up and just doing shit in front of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I miss to be honest with you, like, and it's it's funny like these new guys come down to Dead Crow. Mm-hmm. That's not real, you know. Like, don't I love that place, and I mm-hmm. wouldn't. But it is my home club for anything in the world because I love coming up. But it's up. too good. Almost. Right. I love coming up as a Wilmington comic. I love the scene. 
I love these guys. Is that why you moved I here? Love the cl- yeah, I moved down here strictly for Fork? comedy. Yeah, it was Raleigh and go the good nights route, mm-hmm. which so <laughs> that wasn't really an option. At yeah. That point. <laughs> and then, or but we just fell in love with Wilmington when we came down to Port City that first time. Yeah. And so we moved down here strictly for it. But I just those guys that get up and do open mic like. Like their only experience with comedy Dead at Crow? Dead Crow Open Mic, it's gonna be such a. Whenever you go somewhere else, oh, it's gonna th- be a big slap in the face. They're gonna uh, their ego is gonna get hurt <laughs> so bad because yeah. at Dead Crow the the energy in there, everybody loves you, yeah. and even even when you're not doing good stuff, they give you the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and you at least get a chuckle, like mm-hmm. a sympathy chuckle. Yeah, but like I we used to Cliff Cash used to run this room mm-hmm. after Open Mic. Like, you do open mic, and then you go to the toolbox. The gay club. The gay club. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted all these guys that were all smug because they killed it at open mic. That's I wanted right. them to come on down the street to the toolbox because <laughs> no one's laughing at you at toolbox. You can do your A-game. Like, you, I just crushed with a new joke mm-hmm. at open mic down at Nut Street. Mm-hmm. And now I went to toolbox and did my A-game material. Crickets. You know, yeah, like, cr- that's... You need to do a bar where no one in the bar cares of why you're there. And a place that's like, not a comedy club. Oh, this is comedy. Okay, nice. Yeah, I want. I still want to do this. Yeah, because that would change a lot of people. A lot of. Uh, I'm sure a lot of kids that get up there think, "Oh, I want to do this now." You know, <laughs> me and Tyler were talking, and Tyler, there was. I don't even know if this girl is still getting up. Some gorgeous girl got on stage one day, and this was early summer. This is probably like back in May. Or something, and she did pretty good. And he was mad because he's just like, she, she, she has nothing wrong in her life. And then she gets up there, what is she doing comedy for? You know. And I'm just like, yeah. But I was like, Tyler, just she's gonna. You don't have to be a depressed individual yeah, to do comedy. Though. You don't. But I was like, she's eventually gonna get bored with it if she takes it elsewhere, probably. Right. And to be honest, I haven't seen her get up since. But I haven't been going the past month like I should be. Yeah. I've been no, there's still quite a few. Like yeah. I remember a few weeks ago, we had 42 people sign up. It's ridiculous. That's, that's so awesome for the club, though. It's so yeah. great that it's so it's I mean, thriving. It's awesome out. that it's one in, one out on open mic night. Yeah. yeah. We need we need another place that has an open mic Yeah. that, that, that people actually go to. Yeah, but, see, that's the thing, man. No one goes to the other mics. It's always I'm guilty of it. Here's the thing: it always ends up just being the other comedians and then me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I ends do. Up. Miss Growlers, though, you can yeah. get up with just an idea. I like Long talk. Streets because of how small it was. Um, the one place that, when Nut Street closed and they did comedy at the Real Cafe, I do not like that room. Yeah, they doing I anything. hated that stage. Mm-hmm. That oh. stage, like my short legs were like. <laughs> I fell. The Every- one night I hosted at Real Cafe, I busted my ass on stage. <laughs> Someone, trip it? You trip? Well, uh, someone went short. Like, I'm at the bar talking. Mm-hmm. A new comedian was up, mm-hmm. and instead of doing his three minutes, he did a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And didn't give any warning. He just stopped and was like, walked off the stage. Didn't so even I'm say like, thank you. Yeah, no, oh, God. But I'm like, uh. And I like, run to the stage, bump into this girl, spill her drink. Oh. So I have to apologize for that because she's looking at me like, you mm-hmm. bastard. So I'm like, I'm so sorry. And then I realized, hey, I still got to go. I'll get you a drink here in just a second. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. And I run and I jump onto the stage and clip my toe and just and I just grabbed the mic and laid there. I was like, all right, give it up for your nice comedian. <laughs> See, yeah, and luckily it was Bishop mm-hmm. that was going next, so he let me just lay there and mm-hmm. recuperate while he did his set. So it was good. Probably worked it into his set because he yeah. 
That's yeah. my favorite thing about him. Oh he can, man, he is one of the. He's fucking kills every. And he whatever five minutes you can do, he can do another five minutes on your five minutes right after you did it, and it's better. And it's Bishop is one of those guys that if he never makes it success, like even if it's just mild success mm-hmm. in comedy, then this entire business is full of shit. Fucked. He'll be that guy that's well respected amongst other comedians and a nobody knew about. Comedian. Yeah. The underground guy. Yeah, nah, he needs he, people need to see him on a bigger scale because like that he's is, just one of those naturally funny people. He really is he's naturally gifted, always, and he's so willing to help everybody out with their help everybody write. And I stuff mean, if there's this. a show in Wilmington, eight out of ten times it's going to be a Bishop show. You know? mm-hmm. Like I remember when he booked at Orton's. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the first shows I did in Wilmington. Uh, I, he, he's always helping people out on you know bingo night. The last, the last show I went to at Orton's was for uh, Sean Webb fundraiser yeah, thing. Oh, we and that was, that thing out. We man. did. Uh, that was I, so much fun. I went to that, and Sean used to always call me Mr. Smith because I mean, I, he was the one who actually told me about Eastbound and Down because I did a little. I was on there for two whole seconds. Nice. Yeah, man. but uh, my back's on Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah, awesome! Walking down the street, <laughs> and all you see is my back. Our, 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 we won't be able to have these cool stories about this now that they've moved all the filming stuff. <sighs> But I was just getting my foot in the door. I was like, mm-hmm. extra. <laughs> yeah, extra stuff. work. Ah, oh well. Yeah. But yeah, um, I love Sean and I love Bishop and all them. And Bishop puts on so many things and dabbles with so much stuff and helps everybody out with their things. Does the shit show stuff. I well, mean, he just now started helping us out with Late Fear, too. Awesome, yeah, man. He's going to help been... us out with Late Fear. He was on the last episode on Tuesday. He dressed in drag for us. I, I saw I saw pictures. Yeah, yeah he, he killed it, man. I love when he dresses <laughs> like that. Did he play his character from the shit show on there? Because he was dressed kind of like that. Uh, so. He didn't play that particular. He was just trying to seduce Wills. Okay. That's what it came down to. Because <laughs> like, Lydia was playing the seduction card at the beginning of the show. So mm-hmm. Bishop was like, oh, this is what he wants. Okay. So I can do that ten times better. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was so comedy is your goal. It is what you want to do. Yeah. And it wasn't always. You know, like, I grew up, like, I feel like I got a late start. You know, like. That's another beautiful thing about comedy. You ain't, you don't, it's your not age. It's men's game. Yeah, you don't. But I grew up with the sole purpose of being a baseball player. Like, that's all I wanted to do. Like, I never had What position did you play? In I was third there. base. Third base? Like third base. And I, I, I was a catcher just because I was one of the only kids that. Wasn't afraid of the ball? Yeah. And once you get pigeonholed as a catcher, you're like, ah, well, that's what you're going to do. Uh, that's the only position I didn't play. Yeah. I, 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 I almost... the quarterback of the field. I kind of like that. You yeah. know, like you call You really play, do call the shot, yeah. Like, I, I, I got to a point where, like, my Little League coaches would let me call, like, the game. Fuck like, yeah, man. They really trusted like, you, knew what you were Yeah, doing. they knew, like, all right, well, you know the pitcher. You know, call fastballs, curve, whatever you want to call. Like, go for it. What, I remember playing baseball and thinking I wanted to be a third-base coach. Just because of this, uh, go, go, go. Tell people to go home yeah. even when they shouldn't just to create excitement. Yeah. yeah. He's going for it. But I, but I played every position in the infield um, except first base. Um, that always went to the left-handed kid yep. just because if you were left-handed and you could kind of catch a baseball, the coach turned you into the first oh, baseman. Yeah. Yeah. And or if you were tall. Yeah, you tall too, and you, could, and you could reach yeah, out. That's all you to, could do. Uh, did I uh, didn't do outfield very much, but I was mainly an infielder. And He's I never that good at outfield. 
remember one time a pop-up hit me in the chin and I had the threads from the baseball oh. on my chin, you know. But that's when I found out I didn't have a glass jaw. Well, I was just like, yeah, I didn't, yeah, it didn't knock me out. I didn't fall down. I picked it right up and got in. I had the threads imprinted in my chest one game. From catching? I was, I, no, I had, uh, I had an open stance when I was Oh, you're a right bat? Okay. And uh, this guy threw it and I just didn't, like, get out of the way. And I kind of, like, dropped my hands mm-hmm. and it hit me square in the chest. Knocked the wind out of you? No. A little bit, but mm. it was just after that kid in Ohio died from getting hit in the chest. So, like, they made me get on the back of the ambulance and, like, check me <laughs> out and everything. And like, How old were you, like, 12? I was, like, 14. 14? Oh, yeah. damn. Like, this, so the kid could throw. Like, okay, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's was around low, 12 low and 13 90s. is when the kids start putting heat on it. Yeah, he threw. That's uh, when I picked up a guitar and dropped sports at 13 <laughs> years old. Yeah, well, I tore my shoulder up when I was eight, when I was 17. Like, completely. Like, you can see it now, like. Oh shit! I got nothing holding my shoulder together at okay. this point. Like my tendons are just way too stretched out. Like I got, I don't have any cartilage in the back of my shoulder. So that's when I, I'm, a, I'm a senior in high school. Like, mm-hmm. did not take high school serious at all. Yeah, I'm gonna play I had baseball. No plan B. Yeah. I was like, I'm playing baseball. And then that happened, and I was already out of favor with the coach at that point anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, I had started thinking like, this baseball thing ain't really gonna work out for me. But I had mm-hmm. no plan B. You know, I was mm-hmm. like. Well, I guess I'll just go to college and figure it out, you know? That's American that dream. the worst idea possible. You go in debt thinking about it? Yeah, well, I finally paid that off. I okay. finally paid off the one year I was at ECU. Because I finally realized, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. It's pointless. I went to Appalachian for one week. Nice. Came back because I realized, well, hey, it was really cold up there, even in August in the summertime. Yeah. I remember, like, wearing a sweater to my, I had an 8 a.m. class, and I was oh, wearing a sweater. Worst. And I was just like... I'm gonna. It's gonna get a lot colder. Uh, I don't know what I want to do. I'm gonna go in debt and I'll waste all this money. And Appalachian at that time, Boone. Boone still is a really like secluded town. Mm-hmm. The whole town like shut down at like 10 p.m. The Walmart wasn't even open at 24 hours back then. Wow. My car was parked three miles off campus, yeah. so I could. I hated that about ECU. Once, once I like wanted to go out and do something once the town shut down i couldn't just hop on the little apple cart they called it to take us to our cars because yeah. that wasn't running anymore oh, I hated that. and i was like stuck in a dorm and i realized i had way more freedom at home in my hometown yeah. living with my parents than i did at college right. and, I, and i said no nah, i was i can go i can have i can party more at home at mom's house than i can here and that's not plus yeah. i didn't want to go and i had the fear of going in debt Oh, I had a girl. Which we did now anyway. Yeah, so I came back after a week and then did the community college thing and did that for like five, six years and came out with two measly associate degrees. Sweet, man. I'm the same boat. I did seven years of community college and have one and a half degrees and a certificate. (laughs) I got a certificate in auto body repair. Okay. Painted cars for like two, three years. That's that's still something you can fall back on. No. No? I had too Hmm. many health issues, man. And I never could pass my certification test. painting that guitar made me realize that people that work with paint i know why they're fucking stupid yeah those fumes like those nothing. fumes are so strong and when you're 19 that's when i graduated from the autobody like, i don't need 19. a mask yeah my lungs are gonna <laughs> rejuvenate and, and it's nothing but patience like when you paint cars it's patience so i would go paint a car like put a coat on mm-hmm. smoke two cigarettes paint a coat smoke two cigarettes paint a coat smoke two cigarettes clear coat it Smoke some more cigarettes. Like, that's all I was doing constantly was painting or smoking cigarettes. Oh my god, Drew! So like I went. I remember like two, three years in, I had like this coffin fit, and it, unfortunately, it happened to be like right in front of my mom, 
mm-hmm. who's a, a cancer nurse. By oh, 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 and so that's I'm, a blessing right, right now. No, so I'm coughing. I had in my own shop, and it the economy tanked, so I shut down before okay. I went into debt. Before I, we held on to it too long. Okay, like we saw the economy shutting down, and we restored old Chevrolets. Okay, like Chip Foose, like when that was real okay. big, like overhauling and things mm-hmm. like that. So people would buy these cars and bring them to us. We'd completely restore them. Awesome. We wouldn't do the upholstery or the engineering thing. We'd just do the body work. Mm. And the economy tanked and people stopped coming. You know, like that was the Nobody's putting money in the old vehicles anymore, yeah. You know, so we saw that happen. Like luckily I had a business partner that was just, he's financially smart, you Mm. know. And he's like, we need to get out. Was he an older guy than you? No. Really? He was just, he was one of those guys that he was 40 when he was 18. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> and he realized he's like, we need wish to we get all could out be that way now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I don't want. He's like, no, we need to get out now. So I finally, I got to the point where I was stressed out too because mm-hmm. who wants to own their own business at nineteen? You know, it sounds like a dream thing, but and you're too immature. And you're yeah. like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the books, and he he was like, and you're coughing, doing the marketing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm having it. And so I finally we sold our business, and I went and worked at another shop like close to my house, and. um I had this coffin fit from my mom and blood, like I coughed up blood. So I went to the doctor and the doctor's like, you probably need to quit painting cars before you get, like you can build up a disease, like a sickness to Mm -hmm. where like the smell of paint makes you nauseous. And I was Was getting there. Okay. So he was like, you need to get out now. So I quit um, painting cars, went back to school and that's when I got into like the health field. Okay. Never liked any of it. At all, you know, like uh, it's, it's easy to get jaded by it when you see how dirty like everything is with this insurance. Oh, me being a pharmacy tech, I just saw how insurance companies made everybody jump through hoops for the medications they needed, and that, just I how it, the doctors, man. Yeah, the doctors write a prescription for something, and then the pharmacists they just fill it, and then the, the insurance comes in, and they have to oh, we got to switch the medications for this yeah. reason and make the people wait, and then it's all that stuff. It's, it's a game, man. It really, really. I hated is, it so. because my first job was the low, the totem pole. I was a patient transporter. Mm-hmm. Like I'd pick the patients up and go to X-ray and CAT scan. Mm-hmm. And I remember this doctor uh, ordered a stat X-ray. Like it had to be done right that there. Did, mm-hmm. So I busted ass to get there, and you can't take them anywhere without their chart. Like that's where the orders are. Mm-hmm. And so the doctor still has a chart. He ordered this X-ray stat. I'm like, hey, I need that chart. I got your patient loaded up on the gurney. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to do this. He's like, you're gonna wait till I'm done. Like, I'm like, I'm doing this for you. Like, yeah, I don't think you is... understand, like, what do you want from me? You told me to hurry up and get here, and now I'm hurrying up. They and love to be condescending. And that's I hated that, man. And then I became a telemetry tech where I watched heart monitors all night. And I'd had doctors tell me I was stupid to my face. I just got so sick of doctors, period. But I, that job was great because I worked nights. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was getting into comedy. So, like, I worked okay. a 12-hour shift. From 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., mm-hmm. I'd listen to, you know, like, five comedy albums a night. Oh. And that's when I got into it. And, like, you could, as long as you were monitoring your patients and your patients were good, you could do whatever you wanted to. Mm-hmm. So I would write so, jokes while I was okay. there. That's how that's, I wrote all that material to do the first Before you time. built it all up. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I've got nothing but time, you know? So I just would write and write and write overnight. It is weird how your life plays out and how things just kind of open You'll be set down a path that you're just like, why is this happening to me? And then all of a sudden, something just happens. And you're like, oh, okay. You just got to wander around aimlessly until something strikes you. And and you'll be getting pissed off along the way. And then just something will happen. And it'll click one day. And then you'll... 
Or maybe it doesn't even click. You just look back on it and realize, oh, that's why that was that's going on. That's when that happened. Mm-hmm. That's when I was and like, I didn't even, I, I didn't even know that was going on mm-hmm. in me the whole time. Yeah, because I mean, I definitely, you know, realized I was one of those guys that college wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I've never cared about anything enough to stick with it until comedy came around. I changed my mind so many times. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like I've had all kinds of internships and. <laughs> You know, following people the, around. It's a beautiful world we live in, Drew. It's so easy to get interested in something and then change your mind when right. you're like, oh, I, now that I know about it, I'm not interested. It's dirty. See, it's, if it's I would have stayed at ECU, I would have been one of those kids that was in his advisor's office every other week changing his major. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'm definitely one of those guys that I watch a show and I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. And then I see what it watch, takes to do that. And I'm like, no. Watch Modern, Mo- uh, Modern Marvels or something like yeah, that. And I'm just or, like, oh. I'm, like, it's ridiculous, man. But that's how I know I truly want to. It's funny because, like, a lot of times I would find something I wanted to do and realize it was way too hard. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, I give up. But now I want to do comedy. It's probably one of the hardest things to get into. Yeah. Period. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. So that's how I knew that I wanted. Exactly. Because it it's that's... worth it to me. It's not mm-hmm. like I didn't want to go to a four-year college and pay money to do something that I that's... probably could have gotten a job in. And that's, yeah, when you ask me why I... <laughs> That's why I gave up. I didn't have that. Yeah. I'm not willing. I'm not willing. I'm a creature of comfort. I need air conditioning and running water. Me too. You know, but That's I'm, why not, I'm still a vet. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not I'm willing not to give up those things. I'm yeah. loading up my car and getting it on the road because yeah. I'm the same way. I like, I like cable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like taking a shower. Yeah. Uh, well, I like, you know, being married. I don't want her to tell me to fuck <laughs> off. She and I imagine your wife's very supportive. Dude, she helps me write, man. That's great. Like some of my dirtiest jokes are the mastermind of her. It's great, man. She's she's been one hundred and ten percent. Because we were together when I started doing comedy. Like it wasn't one of those things. Like she knew what it was about. You know, Mm -hmm. like I had to. She's been along for the whole process. She was there for the first show. So she saw that and just was like, "Yeah." She was cool. She she was probably like, "You got to do this now." She probably was like. This is going to be our life. All right. oh. <laughs> but she's a gypsy at heart, too, man. So okay. it works out. You know, like, she, we've been here in Wilmington three years, and she's already like, what's next step? What's well, going to go to New York? Okay, cool. Still. Is so that your next step, you're thinking? I, I'm starting to lean more towards that. Like, mm-hmm. it was for a while. I was thinking, like, I eventually want to be on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Everybody tells me I have that mindset for the West Coast, yeah. but I've lived here my whole life on the East right. Coast. Just, is all I know. But, but see, we're, we're Southern... But we're not southern, southern. Yeah. You know, like, I think the West Coast would do good for us. You know, mm-hmm. like, I just, I feel like that's uh, my mentality's West Coast. Like, I just want to be beautiful weather all the time. You know, like, yeah, there's a shit ton of people and it's cutthroat. But, I mean, my end game is to be on, like, a sitcom or something like that. You know? That's what you are. Okay. Something so. where you get paid and you can relax. And, like, I can go on tour when it's the off season. You mm-hmm. know, like, that's what I want to do. But have you been to New York before? Tried anything? No. Like that? Dude, where where else have you done comedy? I'm Just... completely sheltered, man. I've only been in the South. Okay. I've only. I know you've went on little mini tours for like and weekends. I've always been and... in North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done. Oh, wow, that's just now hitting me. I haven't done comedy outside of North Carolina. Really? So you're gonna do fine. Any, you're gonna do fine anywhere. I hope so, man. Like I've, I'm, I gotta step out of my comfort zone. Like I think my little Southern charm mm-hmm. would go great, like up north. Like, yeah. Because well, I'm not like, 
Because a lot of my you're not close-minded. Yeah, and you're not. It's not like you're not making fun of yourself, and you're not. You're you're just being yourself, but yeah. you're not making fun of yourself, and, and you're not dumbing it down. Too serious. You yeah, know? Like, I, I realized that. And I mean, this goes true for the north too, because I have mm. been up north. I just haven't mm. done comedy up there. Like, people are weird everywhere. You know, like you can't just pick on southern people for being southern. And there's rednecks everywhere. You can yeah. go. You can go to Washington State and Dude, meet good old boy, good old boys. You know, upstate New York is putting the South to shame. <laughs> They're a lot more southern than we are down here. Like mm. I went to upstate New York for a weekend, mm. or a week actually, and. Racist is all get out and country music everywhere. Back <laughs> well, everywhere that there would be a Confederate flag, there was the Buffalo Bills logo. Like <laughs> really, That's... I spent the majority of the week drinking in a red barn with the Buffalo Bills logo on the side. Mm-hmm. Drinking like what was their what was their drink? Like I remember there was one beer. Like that's all they drank. And I can't remember it to save my life. But I was like, oh, this is you guys' PBR. PBR. Cool. <laughs> all right. I'm getting was it now. like Schlitz or something like that? I can't remember what it was at all. <laughs> it was something like I was like, really? That's what you drink? Like it was like Keystone Light or something. Like <laughs> but like Natty Light, and, like they heat everything with like wood stoves. Like okay. nobody had central heating and air. Yeah, and like it, everyone wears like flannel jackets, and it was just a complete like coming and, from someone who has been in the South his whole life. I was out redneck that weekend. Like I <laughs> felt like my redneck skills were lacking. Like, I feel like I had to step my game up just to be around them. Well, made you realize the world was a lot smaller than you thought, oh, too. Yeah, yeah, man. It's ridiculous. Well, I think you do great in New York. Are you guys planning on moving anytime soon, or are you just... Are you you uh, need to put some little tours together with the guys here, man. Yeah, we're guys... here for at least another year. You know, mm-hmm. like, because I want... Like, I've got a goal in mind of how much material I want to have mm-hmm. saved up before I go. Because when you get up I'm there, getting you're getting there, but I'm not quite there. When you get up there, man, you'll be able to hit so many comedy clubs at so. night from what I hear. Right. Um, well, you can rumors. hit up so many open mics, but you have to kind of pick one mm-hmm. uh, comedy club you be really hub. want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And then you have to like spend a lot of time there. You got to hang out there. You gotta, mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, you get a chance to like audition for them and things like that. So it's very home club based kind of thing like yeah mm-hmm. if you're a big name and like Michael J you know like he can be in Carolines one week and then the stand the next week and, you know like let me tell you my story about him I went to go see him by myself one year when he's at Nut Street at Nut Street yeah I remember that show. Um, and I was all by myself and he started picking on me I was in the back all by myself <laughs> Wearing a flannel like plaid shirt. Nice. And he told me he started calling me Beetlejuice because, uh, but but not because I look like Beetlejuice, because I look like the shirt reminded him of Alec Baldwin's character from Beetlejuice. But I knew he had something. This is oh, yeah. part. This is part of he's like probably what like twenty two when he came. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. He's like he's around our age. Yeah. So right. I'm just saying, like he was like. Well, no, no. This was this was probably like twenty. This was probably twenty twelve. I, I don't think Michael Chase that old. I think. I think he's like thirty, man. You can Google it up for it. Google it up. I think he's like thirty. Anyway, he comes down, and I think this was in twenty twelve, and I just knew there was something special about him. I didn't know he was oh, gonna. Wow. Yeah, I was way off. I didn't know he was gonna take it. Yeah, black people age like Asians. <laughs> they age very well. He's actually you know, older than both of us. My man. bad. But uh, well, he props to you, Michael Chase, because I know you're gonna listen to this. <laughs> he had something about him, some star quality that I knew. So the next year he comes around, I bring some of my friends. And I'm just like, hey, you need to see this guy. He is he's fucking great. Yeah. 
he starts picking on me again. And I just sat there. No, I'm not wearing the same shirt. I made a point to not wear the same shirt. And I said, I actually said to him, I was like, man, why are you picking on me again? And he goes, Beetlejuice. And I was just like, holy shit. He remembered me. That is fantastic. Remembered me. That makes it all worth it. Yes. Remember me from the year before. Well, he bought me a shot um, that first year because he said my shirt was so ugly that he wanted to buy me the worst shot. And he's like, what's the worst shot? I was like, anything aristocrat. And he's like, I don't know what that is. He didn't get you tequila, did he? No, I don't know what it was. To me, that's the worst, but aristocrat tequila. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I'd be too scared to try aristocrat tequila. I did, and it's not good. Yeah, wake up on a bathroom floor? No, I was, I was 23. It was my Uh, 23rd birthday. And I was like, I'm not 21. I don't want to black out and throw up on myself on this birthday. I'm past that. I tried to be like that. I'm over that. Okay. <laughs> this is the new, I'm mature. This is the new 23-year-old Drew. Mm-hmm. He's beyond that at this point. Mm-hmm. So I got all my friends that were going out with me that night together. I was like, if you buy me a shot, it's a Royal Flush. If you buy me a drink, it's a rum and coke. <laughs> and if you buy me a beer, don't give me beer. I don't want to <laughs> just give me a shot or a drink, and that's it. Uh-huh. That's all I'm drinking tonight. I'm keeping it very controlled. I want to have when a great time. When I sip time. it, my pinky's going to be sticking yes. out. And it, the plan worked to a T. Like to people were buying me what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not blacking out. I'm feeling great. Mm-hmm. But I'm maintaining. And about 1 o'clock comes around. And, and my drunk. buddy who wasn't there for the pre-meeting, the mm-hmm. pre-drinking meeting, uh, he's like, I'm buying you a shot. At this point in my mind, I'm just drunk enough like, to be yeah. like, yeah, cool. Another royal flush. Yeah, because he you, hands me his drink. I don't even look at it. I just take it because I'm already expecting it to be a royal flush. Mm-hmm. It was aristocrat tequila, <laughs> and you know that last shot that finally just hits you and just kicks you right in the nuts. Yeah. So I immediately I'm like, "What was that?" And he's like, "Tequila." I'm like, "No." Like I'm trying to tell him. <laughs> like I'm trying to like reverse what happened by telling the universe this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, that's <laughs> no. not tequila." This is this needs to leave my that body was, now. That was just a royal flush that was bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to like <laughs> Jedi mind trick myself into not getting sick at this point, but it was too far, and I ran into the bathroom, <clears throat> and it was one of those bars that the bathroom was a stall and a urinal. With no wall. Someone was in the stall, oh. so I threw up in the urinal. I've been there. And I went back out and got a water. I'm trying to like calm myself down <laughs> from this horrible, horrible thing that just happened. And I go back into the bathroom, and the guy's mopping up the urinal. And I'm like, I feel so bad. I'm like, who the fuck would do something like that? And they're like talking to the guy that's cleaning up, and he's got this just pissed off look on his face. I'm like, kids, man. Who kids, would do something like kids that? Kids getting drunk on their birthday. It's someone who just turned 21. <laughs> knowing damn well it was me. I'm like, ah, I'm, this is terrible. Uh, tequila is one of those, it's scary either way. Yeah. It, it sneaks up on me. Um, I don't drink tequila, man. Car bombs are what make me black out all the time. Oh, so. I love car bombs. So I'd, I'd know to stay away from those. Okay. Uh, I only think about car bombs on St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Uh, th- those are the things I I, I just know to stay away. Okay. Guinness is too thick for me, but I'll drink it and I like it. That's how I know I'm having a good St. Patty's Day when Guinness is going down like water. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're drinking Guinness and you're just like, this is fantastic. That's how you know you're like, I'm mm-hmm. having a good St. Patty's Because you don't think to drink that shit. Have you had those? Have you had one of those root beer beers? Oh yeah, they taste really good. I can and I love soda, but I can only have one of them. It's really yeah, heavy I, after I a bought, minute. I bought a six pack. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm gonna try it. This is fantastic. Everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like it was a Sunday, 
where I'd gotten like blackout Friday and I just wanted I didn't drink Saturday. <laughs> still wanted, recouping. I wanted to ease into it Sunday. I still wanted to enjoy it, but mm-hmm. not go crazy. So I was like, I'll get a six pack of this root beer. So it was great. And like you said, I drank like two of them and I was like, my belly was like bloated. I'm like, yes. Oh, I can still drink these, but I, I'm too full. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, need never, a, I don't think you can get drunk. You need like a Coors Light after that because you need something like, or a Michelob Ultra <laughs> yeah, after, after two of those. Maybe yeah. you can mix the two. Maybe yeah. you can mix Ultra and Ruby. <laughs> offset each other i think at flame and amy's you can actually they'll make you one of those root beer floats out of that so oh wow i know right that's genius it really really is I mean, I think and, that's and get a big fucking be. burrito dude you're gonna die it's oh, oh. But, but I, get, I get excited thinking about that i'm like smiling i'm like i need I to do get, that I one day oh you know the poops the day after that you're ridiculous <laughs> what, what's going on man oh i got the not your father's root beer poops it's bad chunky well, this was fun, man. Yeah, dude. I appreciate you coming out. And, uh, Anytime. Yeah. Whenever my rotation comes back around. I mean, yeah, well, it'll be when you're famous, you know. Okay, so. cool. Well, I will definitely come back. Yeah. And, uh, or meet you in Arizona once you get to Arizona for this yeah. school. If I get in. Is it a big selection process? Uh, it's just they only accept like 60 to 80 people a year kind of thing. So, you know. Well, those are good numbers. At least it's not like 10. Yeah, yeah. But, so... Who knows? But I'm definitely gonna give it a shot. And then once they reject me, try again. Oh, uh, you got the Thursday sticker. Yeah. What are your emo bands? Thursday is definitely one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the best concert I, I ever went to. Was it at Tremont? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was at a high school gym. Ooh. In uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina. Okay. And it was um, thrice opened up. Coheed went second. And Thursday headline. Wow. I've seen Thrice and Coheed together, and I've seen Thrice and Thursday together, but not all three. All three, man. It was fantastic. Like, Thursday opened up with um, Jet Black New Year. Okay. Like, the entire... They somehow were able to, like, control the lights pretty good, Mm -hmm. and the entire um, high school went black, Mm -hmm. or the gym went black, and that one spotlight came out, and it was on the lead singer Thursday, and as soon as the... um, Spotlight hit him. They just started jamming out, went straight into it, and that's how they opened up their set. It was fantastic. The guitar player for Thursday, Tom, uh-huh. the, was running sound for Eastbound and Down. Yeah, I heard he. He, <laughs> he was, was just there. holding the mic, and I was like, "Is your name Tom? Do you play guitar for Thursday?" And he goes, "Yeah." And I was just like, "I really loved your band." And I, and then I said, "You guys quit at the right time." He goes, "Yeah." <laughs> and I was just like, you know, it was one of those. They were one of those bands. If they would have kept going, I would have probably. I did lose interest after a while. You know, that's I mean, what happens. I, I like what Thrice has done lately. Like they've definitely I haven't listened evolved to their sound, but I, I lost interest in them. Mm. What are you listening to now? A lot of hip hop. Yeah, I listen to a lot of hip hop. I really like Kendrick. Yeah, I like, I, dude, Kendrick and Run the Jewels are the only two things I love. Run the Jewels. Yeah, I love it. And then I feel like I've who would have thought this. Killer Mike would have turned into that? You know, like, yeah. I loved Killer Mike when he came out, but you just thought he'd be one of those. Southern rappers have just <laughs> faded away. You know, mm-hmm. like they all fade away. Like you don't now hear about artic- little flip or anybody like that anymore. <laughs> now, now it's almost a, not that put, I'm comparing. I was about to say, like I was about much say it's blasphemous to put them in the little. Yeah, thing. I know. I know. I tell you, like, <laughs> no, that's all right. Like is much much better. Yeah, because now he's being all articulate and being on Bill Maher and Dude, that talking. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Like Run the Jewels is like just feel good music. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but it serves okay. a purpose. You know, it's yeah, it's got something to say. And that's oh. how I feel about Kendrick, and like I like J. Cole a lot. Like that's awesome. He's from Fayetteville, from my hometown. Yeah, dude. From, yeah. 
I've never been to the street he was from, but apparently that's probably for the best. Yeah, so <laughs> Fayetteville can get a little scary, man. We, that's where that was got, the big city to us, I, us Southern Fayetteville, Buns folk. Yeah, it was. We went to Crabtree Valley Mall all the time. Crabtree is in Raleigh. Our mall was oh, called no, Cross okay, Creek. Cross Creek. There we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because y'all had a Chick Fil A, we and we didn't. Yeah. So we would make a Saturday out of going to. They had KB Toys. Right across, from, right across from Chick Fil A. <laughs> That's so crazy. You my remember mom would that. get me a wrestler, mm-hmm. KB Toys, because that was my shit growing mm-hmm. up. And then we'd get a chicken sandwich, and then we'd go home. Dude, that that was a weekend out, a good road trip. Yeah, dude, that was wrestling. a great Saturday. You know, Who with your wrestler on the way back. Yeah, <laughs> I was really into Sting when I was little. Okay. Before he turned into like so the, the crow, face paint and the crop, the the hair. flat top, yeah. the flat top with the Stinger splash, yeah, dude. Man. Stinger, Sting. He was the ultimate hero. He was my guy, man. Yeah. No, I, I miss when there's variety. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm still a wrestling fan. I still watch it. I yeah, I go into it every now and again. When I see somebody else that's excited about it and they want to watch it, I'll watch it with. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch a WrestleMania a couple of years ago, and there was some guy there. I God, I wish I knew who the guy that was actually wrestling was. But when he came out, the guy just started doing all his his the whole intro thing with him, and I was just like, this is fascinating to watch this fan of wrestling just do all this stuff. And you you live here now, man. You can come in and make noise. It's all right. Up, Jay, this is go. Drew. Drew, this hey, is Jay. Hey, Fresh in from Alaska. Nice. Hmm. A lot better weather down there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was a big like NWO fan, things like that. Oh, when first when, came out. When so were, when Sting became the crew. The, yeah, when Sting got was, dark, got evil. That was crazy. Because like, you hadn't seen anything like it. You know? You're like, He's like, I got this bat. And like I'm, I'm used to these larger than life characters. You know, mm-hmm. like Kamala and Papa Shango and, you know, like... <laughs> As your kid, you're like, oh, that's cool. But mm-hmm. like the good thing, the, I think the thing that stuck with me with wrestling is like it got more. I hate to use the word real because we all know it's not mm-hmm. real. But like it got away from those. Like those characters were big when I was a kid, and I could be interested. If they got tried to sell story. me on those characters now, I'd be like, this is the dumbest thing. I've exactly. Ever seen in my entire life. But evolved with like the kids that started out in the '90s watching it. How do you feel about Brock Lesnar being like the? The champ now. It's very interesting that he chose pro wrestling over like football and UFC and they like he's a a ridiculously beast of an athlete. Like why? I just it just blows my mind that he chose pro wrestling. Like they gave him like that just shows you the power of the money. Like there's money. actually money in pro wrestling. Exactly. You know, like and it's all those guys that talk about you know like why do these guys that never get any kind of push or any kind of mm-hmm. TV time. Why are they with WWE? I'm like, because they probably make a shit ton more money than they would somewhere mm-hmm. else. And they know they're not actually gonna get. They can get injured, oh, yeah. but but it's not as extreme as actually a, a fucking UFC fight. Right. Well, I mean, Lesnar had to quit because of that diverticulitis he had. You know, like, I remember watching the fight that he came back. Like he had some of his like insides like take it removed. Oh really? He had diverticulitis okay. that bad, and he came back for a fight with um. Who's, who's that huge dude? Oh, that's his name. The Indian guy. I'm not going to know his name. If yeah, it was boxing, well, he, I would he know. He fought him, and he took a couple of gut punches, and mm-hmm. Lesnar just dropped. Like, he wasn't fully, like, healthy. Recouped, yeah. And so yeah. that's when he quit. That's when he was like, I'm done. He's like, my body's not going to hold up for this. That's why comedy is a perfect thing for you, Drew. Cause right? You, you My body's already shot. I can't... This is well, no, you ain't got to worry about, like, you know, you're not missing that window. You're not young. Yeah. 
Yeah. Why I mean, do you look at CK? How old was he when he finally became like a name? You know? Yeah, like he'd been 15, doing it for 15, 18 yeah, years. Yeah, like, So that's why I'm in it for the long haul. Like mm-hmm. I don't have to be. Your lungs, even though you've inhaled too much paint fumes and smoked too many cigarettes, you know, you caught the, you know, you can, yeah. as long as you can speak, you're good. Right. I mean, cigarettes. Even if you had to get a voice box, you, you can know? still be funny with a voice, right. voice box. That might actually be funnier. That might be. A, uh, then you, then people will think you're a hack just because that's your gimmick. And you're, 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 you're <laughs> that's don't the be. thing is I never want to have like a gimmick, you know? Yeah. I just, I just don't feel like they have longevity. Like, look at Gallagher. You know, he was only famous for so long. And he's so bitter now. So how do you... Are, uh, part of me's torn... Top, part know? of me's torn to go see Gallagher. I mean, I wonder how it holds up. I want to go see it, but then I'm just like... I want your tickets. That's going to be the deciding factor. Me too. You know? mm-hmm. But I think he's coming... He's coming around the same time... Okay, I know you're a big Tom Segura fan. Oh, yeah. And he's coming like four days, within four or five days of uh, Gallagher, but he's going to be in Raleigh. Yeah. And I'm just is like. Good, we never heard of Venue. Is he going to be a good night? I think he's going to be a good night. Okay. Yeah, I think he is going to be okay. a good night. Because me and Lou and yeah. Ben Lee were trying to go. I, so I will hop, to go. I'll hop in a car with you and see yeah. Segura, man. Dude, that is, he's yeah. top five right now for me. Who, so who are your five favorite comedians right now? Okay, right now, my favorite, um, I love Kyle Kinane. Yep. Um, I love... Uh, Gerard Carmichael, have you watched his yeah, HBO yeah, spot? Yeah, yeah. I like his demeanor. Okay. Um, I really, I'm interested to see where those two kind of guys go. Okay. But Dave Chappelle and David Tell were like the two guys that Chappelle. like changed it for me. Kill, um, killing them softly. It's everybody's favorite. Is what made me realize what like, it could, what was, comedy could be. Because I was still on like the weird com- like the mainstream comics, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, not to say he's not, he wasn't a mainstream comic then, mm-hmm. you know. And I saw Killing Him Softly, and I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that opened the door for me to find, like, Patrice O'Neill, you know, like, so mad Bill Burr, you know, like, <sighs> those guys. Like, I just knew, yeah. the, like, the comics that you're spooked It made, at, it made you, know, you appreciate like the, the writing. Comics, like, yeah. you know? And then you're like, I mean, this is funny, but when you saw that special, you're like, oh, it gets so much better. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I love the comedians that they haven't made it yet. But they're the probably the funniest people in the country right now. Like you said, Kyle Kinane, like yeah, he's he's top five for me. I like Kyle Kinane. Bill Burr is just like that. His last that, special was flawless. Oh my god, he was always like a guy I just love. Probably gonna the go last home one. and watch that special again. Yeah, like, Kinane, um, Burr, of course, I, anything Louis C.K. Like his monologues mm. on SNL are just genius. <laughs> I saw him live a couple of years ago. He is great. Yeah, um, Nate Bargatze. Love Nate Barton. Yeah, I saw his... Just because I feel like our styles are similar. Like that likability. Effort, this effortless delivery. Because like you that. guys just say it and I know it. And, and it's taken a lot for me to get that. You mm-hmm. know, like I've, I've messed around with my tempo and my delivery a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I finally just like relaxed and just let me be me. You know, because I'm not a high energy guy. I never yeah. will be. Yeah, and you don't want to. You don't need to see that guy jumping across the stage. You don't mm-hmm. need to see a Cat Williams every time. You know, I used to hate Cat Williams and Larry the Cable Guy until I tried stand up comedy, and then I and now I respect everybody. I think I, I love like shitty it. comedy too, Drew. I, I, oh, me! I respect. I don't necessarily would say I like it. I respect it. I watch like, D.L. Hughley, man, and I'm just like, God damn. I like D.L. No, no, man. I'm just, but I do, I do. I watch it. And I'm just like this. If anybody else was doing this, they would get. Oh yeah. This oh, would yeah. be hacky. Well, that's how I feel. I catch hell because that's how I feel about Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a big Chris Rock fan, but I respect what he's done. Mm-hmm. Same with Seinfeld. I'm not a Seinfeld fan. 
I just don't yeah. like his. I mean, that's not my kind of stuff. Yeah. But like, um, what now that I know Larry the Cable Guy is a character, mm-hmm. I respect it more. Like I just exactly. thought this was a stupid idiot that mm-hmm. went up on one open mic, and his friends were like, "You're hilarious, man! You should do this." And now he's getting millions of dollars. Right? I thought that was him because you no, know, I just when I first started liking comedy, it blew my mind that someone could play a character. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. You know, yeah. I just thought what that person was on stage. That's who they were in real life. So to to me, that the fact that Larry the Cable Guy existed in real life mm-hmm. blew my mind. That this was a person, you know. How can he? How did he get this far and survive and take right. care of himself right. and I'm pay like, bills? Should someone and feed watch him. him? Yeah, you know, is that why he's on tour with all these other guys? <laughs> so they can keep him from drowning in the shower. But just knowing he's a normal guy and that's he turns that yeah. on. Like that, I'm, I don't I hate him don't for like it. it exactly, I still, that's the I same. Respect way. it. You mm-hmm. know? It's just like Foxworthy, like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like his stuff but I can respect the fact that he found that should have been or you might be a redneck and mm-hmm. realized it was a gold mine and ran with it how do you feel about although you said you don't you didn't want to be a hack comic or have a gimmick but and it seems like once somebody there's take care of top you were bringing him up mm-hmm. for example he's the prop guy there's no other prop comedians mm-hmm. then you got Jeff prop Dunham the and I hate when people <laughs> yeah, exactly and I hate when people ask tell me they love Jeff Dunham and I'm like that's the first thing. And I'm like, he's you, not. And I want to. And I want to say. I want to say. Like, oh, you're a comedian. Do you like Jeff Dunham? Like, that's the first one people go for for some reason. And I'm just like, he's not a comedian. I'm like, he is, but he's he's, he's the he does the ventriloquist thing. And I'm just like, oh, but guess what? There's nobody else. There, there's other people, but there's nobody at his level. I look more to those guys as not necessarily, and this isn't a shot at them. Yeah, also, but they're just not a stand up to me. I don't count them as stand-up comedians i count them as more of like a one-man show kind yeah of thing. exactly you know, like, like when will ferrell did his bush show, like <laughs> yeah was a stand-up comedy mm-hmm. it was a one-man show like I, I look more to those guys as like they put on a one-man show like mm-hmm. they they should be in a completely different category than stand-up comedy it's to th- me yeah because that's I, nothing against them it's just they're doing something different i, I don't like people that are like they're not themselves but I do like them in the same respect but I just look at it differently and I know what it is now but then you think about like what what would they put out if they would just be themselves mm-hmm. you know, what if it's better mm-hmm. but I, mean, I can definitely well, feel for them you know like they found that comfort zone where they make money what I start, what, what really bothers me is well, I, when, I, when I watch that stuff I think about how the normal person that's just watching it just like they're watching a sitcom is viewing it yeah. and, and how they categorize that and then they put it up against the same stuff and then they consider that to be the same level as like Louis C.K. And then you're like, yeah, oh, God, no. no. And, then you ca- and then you can't have those conversations with those yeah. people. Like this girl yeah. broke my heart at work. Like she was new and she found out I did stand-up comedy. And mm-hmm. she, I, I, I shouldn't have asked. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's your favorite comedians? And mm-hmm. she said, Jeff Dunham, mm-hmm. Dane Cook. Mm-hmm. and um, Jeff Foxworthy and I wrote a list of comedians for her mm-hmm. right there on the spot and I'm like check these guys out <laughs> and come back to me and let me know if these guys are still your favorite and then, we can, and then we can talk and then we can actually talk about comedy. right because yeah. I was like you need to check out the Sean Pattons the Kyle oh Canadians, yeah I forget <sighs> the everybody is Everybody, uh, whenever uh, he's in Chris town. Chris Porter. Have you seen Chris Porter? Angry he, and Ugly? Okay, I don't like that Netflix but the thing. What? I don't, oh, that's one of my favorites. I watch it and I'm just like, yeah, it's good. But for some reason, it doesn't click with me. Uh, Cliff Cash was talking about him a lot. 
And, yeah. uh, and I was just like, he does angry better than anybody. Yeah. I think it's the fact that I can't do angry. Mm-hmm. It goes against. So maybe you see something you, you admire about yeah, him or something. I admire the fact that he can do that. So I guess when I see somebody like that, I'm just like, it's not as good as Stanhope <laughs> or something. Yeah. I've oh, seen Stanhope like three times. Oh, God damn it. Oh, God. God. Speaking of Cliff Cash, I love that we have somebody in the scene that's actually going for it. Like, going for it in a different level. Like, actually touring. Well, you know, him and Feltz, Feltz does pretty, pretty good, too. Yeah, But Feltz. he does the corporate thing. Yeah, he's like, doing... he's found a niche and doing, he's, like, and churches he, and corporate. He does, he does his clean, clean getaway makes, stuff. I took my mom... To, than all of us doing I, I took my mom to go see Feltz. And right. just because... And Santos. Yeah, and Santos. Santos. Because I knew that, you know... When they were still at Nut Street and they just started their clean getaway thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, see, that's a podcast you need to get on when you start yours. They're, uh, what would Jesus laugh at? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if I can. <laughs> yeah. My mom might call and Santo, my favorite, when people used to ask me, like, who were the best comedians in town when I started doing it, mm-hmm. I used to always tell them I liked Chris Hargy and Mike Santo, which were two oh, opposite. Chris Hargy, yeah. Yeah, and because I just love, I love every type of comedy. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris Hargy, man, no one does a rant better than that guy. Like yeah. I, I wish he was. Uh, I know he needs to stick with it. He needs to keep doing it. But I know he's in an area where it's top his own. Yeah, but he'll come up with material when he comes down. He'll kill. I'm sure he's been yeah. writing. Like, yeah, I've actually I talked to Van Vliet who talked to him. He's been writing like a novel. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> books. Yeah, that. that'll be really dark and scary. Oh, yeah. And I would love to oh, just see yeah. where it goes. They inside the mind of Chris. He needs a show. Yeah, he needs a podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, need to, I need to Skype with him and get him on yeah. here. And he'll just make fun of me the whole time and it'll be great. Like, are we really doing this stuff? Yeah. yeah, what are we doing this for? Jimmy, you're just wasting your own goddamn time. Now you're, now you're wasting my time, too. Why am I you even here? You got a kid and shit, right? Yeah, what are you doing? Hold on, I got to breastfeed my baby. Shut up, Jimmy. You know, something like that. Well, D- Drew, it was fun. And, uh, you know, when you're a star, I'll definitely get you back on. Oh. Dude, good time, man. Do it. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Well, that's the show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and listening. And if you're enjoying what you hear, go to the Dead Crow Comedy Room and check these guys out some more. They're all fantastic. You can also find some of them online on YouTube. You can check out The Shit Show with Cameron Smith. Late Fear with Wills Maxwell. And on iTunes, you can check out Good Times, Bad Times podcast with Sydney Roberts and My Fantasy Wife with Blair Postman. And I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, What Would Jesus Laugh At with John Feltz and Mike Santo. If you like something a little more clean, both of those guys are hilarious and fantastic. So be sure to tune in and check out some of the other things going on here in the scene and thanks for listening.